Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Hi, everybody online. Uh, glad you're tuning in. Uh, sometimes you guys get neglected, so I just thought I'd say hello. Good to see you. I can't see you, but you can see us. So everybody wave to online. Hello, everybody. You guys are doing great. Um, gosh, you guys look so good. Look so good. Look like you're having a three-day weekend. Yeah, praise God, right? Thank the Lord. Everybody said Amen, except for the small business owners. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you for coming to church today. It's not a small thing that you got yourself here. I think it's an awesome thing, and so I just wanted to say thank you for coming because. We believe that when we come together and we hear the word of God and we join together in worship, that the Lord meets us here, right? That he's here. He's present in this place. And so um, I, I hope that you came expecting to hear a word from God this morning because I believe you're going to. And it's not because I'm giving it, but it's because we're going to open up God's word, right? Is that cool? Um, I just want to say Pastor Michael's not here. They're on, they're on vacation. Thank God that they can take a vacation, Right? That's really awesome, and uh, I just, while I'm up here, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Michael. If you're watching online, thank you for trusting me to preach the word, and um, we've got an awesome pastor, right? Amen? we got an awesome pastor, and he loves the church. He loves the people of the church, and uh, so we're glad that they can get some rest this week, yeah? It's a good thing that we're a church that can release people to get some rest. Amen. Man, I got to tell y'all a story at the start. Is that cool? little story time before we open up the word. Brooke and I have been married for a little over two years. Yeah, is that right? Good math? Quick maths? Yeah, okay. It's only going to get harder because I was in the shower thinking about it, and I was like, is it three years? Is it? And, and I know, I know it's, it's, it's only going to get worse for me. But um, anyways, Brooke and I, we got married. We had a COVID wedding, right? We had a COVID wedding, so hardly anybody was at the wedding. If you weren't at the wedding, don't feel slighted. It was a COVID wedding. There was 10 people there. It, it, it's, not, it's not you. It's us. <laughs> it's not you. It's the bird flu. Um, anyways, we had a COVID wedding, and we had these grand plans for our honeymoon to go to Australia. Like, I had lived in Australia, and Brooke was like, I want to go see where you lived. It's going to be really awesome. And, you know, needless to say, that did not happen. Australia has been on lockdown for, like, two years that did not happen, right? We did not go to Australia, but plan B was we're going to go to Yosemite National Park. Yosemite National Park had been on the bucket list for each of us. Like, we had both wanted to go to Yosemite, and um, that was even before we got married. And we were like, okay, well, we have an opportunity. My brother lives in California. We'll fly in. We'll drive straight up to Yosemite, and then we'll go visit family after a couple days in Yosemite. And, guys, it was gorgeous. You know, today I'm going to be talking about... Um, journeying and mountaintops. And, and so I just thought that this story needed to kind of give some context to mountaintops, right? Because we're Floridians. Most of us live below sea level, right? The biggest hill 
that we know of is the Samsula dump, right? Like, <laughs> legit, that's the biggest hill around here, around these parts, yeah? So if you want to go see a mountain, you got to get out of state. You, get, you know, like, those hills, they're just, they're just not here. So, so I wanted to bring some context around that because, you know, mountains are gigantic, they're glorious, they're majestic, and Yosemite is kind of like the wanderlust of journeying for people that love to travel and go to national parks. Like, it's on the bucket list of people that tour the national parks. Like, you want to go to Yosemite, you want to see Half Dome, you want to climb to Glacier Point, you want to see the great hills and the valleys, the peaks and, and the streams, all of that stuff. And when we're in Yosemite, we see these vast and looming walls that are formed of gigantic granite slates, right? There's like 16 types of granite in Yosemite. It's gorgeous. It's flourishing. There's, there's canyons that have been carved by mighty rushing waters since the dawn of time, right? It's, it's splendid. And I have this little video just to give you a glimpse of how it looked when we first got there. It was pretty great. That's a mountain. And there's another mountain. It's a lot bigger than the Samsula dump, I promise. If you, if you go to both and compare, those are much taller. Those are pretty glorious mountains. And as we lifted our eyes to the mountains, we could feel awe and wonder at God's creation, right? And so I really show you that so that you'll get the context of this scripture we're going to read. We're going to open up the scripture. And if you haven't done your Bible reading today, it's totally cool. We're going to read a whole chapter. It's going to be fine. And some of you just died a little inside, but it's only eight verses, okay? It's going to be okay, all right? So we're just going to read eight verses out of Psalm 121. That's one through eight. I'm reading out of the NIV. Should be up on the screens. It says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life, and the Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, when it's opened up, it lights up the dark parts of our hearts. We thank you that your word will do a work this morning. And so I pray that everybody in this room that hears your word will come under the authority of your word and come under the authority of you, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit. Be with us today. Let us learn from you, God. Let us be changed in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. Um, so this, this scripture is like, it's all about getting the help you need from the Lord, right? And I don't know about anybody else in here, but like speaking of Independence Day, I get super like, I don't need help. Like, I don't, I don't, maybe it's just a guy thing. Any of the fellows in the place, they go like, like maybe you're driving and you get a little lost and your wife's like, hey, we need to ask somebody where to go. No, I'm not asking. I know we're headed north. It's gonna be okay, right? Like, I don't want help. There's people in here that just don't want help, right? Super independent. I totally empathize. It's okay. We don't need help. Um, then there's people in here that they for sure know they need help, but there's like a guilt that comes with asking for help. Have you ever been there? Like you, you're like, oh man, I'm like trying to figure out this budget and I can't get to the bottom line of my finances. I can't figure this out. I need help. 
Like, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody who's a, a few steps further along than me. Or maybe you need help with your kids. Anybody? Anybody say amen? You need some help. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, right? We're going to have a baby boy in, in a couple months here. I'm going to need some help, y'all. Please teach me the way. Um, we all need help, but sometimes we don't want to admit it. We get stubborn. We get prideful. And sometimes there's a pain in not admitting that we need help. We suffer, right? We self-medicate. We binge Netflix or eat too much or drink too much or sleep too much. We do other things too much because we don't want to deal with the pain of needing help. Admitting that we need help, some of us, we admit that we need help, but we don't know how or where to find it. Where can I find help? I get guilty of this too, because sometimes I know I need help, and it's like, okay, I'm going to read a leadership book, or I'm going to click on that self-help book, and I'm going to read this person's tweets, or check out what this person's doing, or compare myself. And these are the ways the world finds help, right? Look for the right thing in the wrong place. Has anybody ever been guilty of that? I have, for sure, for sure. We're all looking for help. And who do we go to for help, really? Today I want to ask, what is our instinctual go-to? What is our first thing we do when we need help? We're going we're gonna to kind of dissect the psalm here, but have you ever heard that saying? Um, it's an old saying. I don't really know where it comes from. I read a bunch of different things online, but it says, God helps those who help themselves, Right? I just want to be clear, that is not a Bible verse. There are a lot of people that think that that is a Bible verse. And they go, oh yeah, you know that scripture that says God helps those who help themselves. You got to get off your butt and help yourself. That's not in the Bible. If I don't say anything else to you today, just know that I've destroyed a heresy. That's not in the Bible, okay? God, God helps those who look to him for help, okay? And so that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about help for the journey. So if you're taking notes, write it down. Help for the journey. You're on a journey, and God wants you to seek him for help. It's not God helps those who help themselves. No, that's like the opposite of what Christianity is. Like, you actually can't help yourself, right? And Pastor Michael's been preaching that a lot. Like, we need the grace that Jesus provides. It's not something we could do on our own. I want to give you some context of the psalm that we just read, okay? Anybody down? Down to learn something? Cool. All right, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, they're called the Psalms of Ascent. Psalms of Ascent. You could also call them the Songs of Ascent. And so what would happen is the Israelites, every year, three times a year, for festivals, would travel to Jerusalem. They would travel to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, right? Lots of the commentaries I, I read said the word pilgrimage, and they would, they would go to Jerusalem for these festivals because not everybody lived in Jerusalem. And we all know in the Old Testament, God's presence dwelt in the temple in Jerusalem, right? That's where God is. So they had to travel, they had to journey, they had to pilgrimage to God's presence. Does that make sense? So the Psalms, Psalm 120 through 134, are songs that they would sing on the journey to Jerusalem. They're songs that they would sing for their pilgrimage. And my commentaries use the word pilgrimage. It's kind of an old word. And I don't know what y'all think about when you hear the word pilgrim. 
but I have a picture. Can you click that picture with my face on it? This is what I think of when I, when I think of the word pilgrim. I think of like the first Thanksgiving. I think of me in a hat with a, with a belt buckle on the hat for some reason. I guess the hats were falling off and they need to tighten them. I don't really know. Anyways, get that off the screen. We don't need to look at that anymore. Okay, so what do you think of when you think of a pilgrim? Well, actually what a pilgrim is, is someone who journeys, especially over a long distance, to some sacred place as an act of religious devotion. They're a traveler, a wanderer, especially in a foreign place, right? To give you a context, Abraham was a pilgrim. God said, go. He didn't say where to go. And Abraham was journeying and wandering, right? He was on pilgrimage. And I want to challenge you today that our lives are a pilgrimage, right? We have received God. We can experience his kingdom. We live in that now, but we also live in that in-between time where we haven't received the fullness of God's kingdom yet, right? Jesus will return. He will restore all things. He'll make all things right, and we will live in the fullness of his kingdom. We live in that pilgrimage. We live in that space where we have to chase after God sometimes. And our lives are a journey towards God. Our lives are a journey toward the places of God. Pope Benedict XVI said, to go on pilgrimage is not simply visit a place to admire its treasures of nature, art, or history. To go on pilgrimage really means to step out of ourselves in order to encounter God where he has revealed himself. To go on pilgrimage means to step out of ourselves in order to encounter God where he has revealed himself. The Psalms talk about pilgrimage too. In Psalm 84 verse 5, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, whose hearts are set on journeying to the place where God had revealed himself, right? In the Old Testament, remember, they had to go to Jerusalem to, to, to be in God's presence. We know now God, God dwells within us, right? The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. We're believers. We have accepted Jesus Christ. And so we have the first fruits of the Spirit. But you still have to practice tuning in with the Spirit. You still have to practice check, checking in with the Spirit and learning to practice His presence. And so this message, just finished the intro, is titled Help for the Journey because we're living a lifelong journey of pilgrimage, Right? And you're going to need help for the journey. Lots of times we don't want help. Lots of times we think we can do it on our own. Lots of times we want to struggle. We want to feel the, the weight of what we're doing. We want to feel accomplished too, right? And that's, that's not a bad thing on its own. But when it comes to your salvation, remember Jesus, he is the way. He did the work. And it's believing on him that saves us. And that may, may sound elementary, but we forget it all the time in our practical application. And so I want us to think about who God is first. I'm going to go through two, two points about who God is. And I think it's really important because A.W. Tozer said that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Do you believe that? That's kind of weighty. But if you think about it, if you think wrongly about God, then you don't act rightly, right? Like if you think he doesn't honor you living in his principles, then you won't live in them. So how you think about God matters. 
And I want to just give you two points about how to think about God. The first thing is God is able, okay? If you're taking notes, God is able. God's ability shows, our, our, sorry, our inability shows off God's ability. You are not able on your own, right? We, we just, we, we've been saying this for weeks about God's grace. God's ability is what saves us because we're not able to do it. And life should prove to us that God is much more able than we are. That's the central focus of our faith. It was Christ's work that saved us, not the work of our own. We can't help ourselves on our way to heaven. We needed Jesus to do that, right? So God is able. He has ability. That's who he is. He is the able God. And then number two, God is caring, okay? God is caring. God, our Father, cares for us. That's why he likes to be referred to as our Father, right? God cares for us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You cannot view God negatively through the lens of life's hardships. Because we all experience life's hardships. That's not what defines God. God's good regardless of the hardship we go through. He cares for you, and because he cares for you, you can trust that he wants to work in your life. God wants to work in your life. I, I know there are some people here today that think that maybe God wants to work more in somebody else's life than in your life, but the truth is he wants to work in everybody's life. And so you need to know that. You need to know that he is able to do that. He has all power. He, he has all ability, and he's caring he has all love and all kindness. God is the only being ever. He is the only being where ultimate capability and unwavering character intersect. Okay? His character is perfect. He's not a liar. He is who he says he is. We can trust his word. And he is able. He can meet your need. And so you need to know those three things before we go any further. Okay, that's who God is, and he wants to move in your life. Is that cool? Can I get an amen? Amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so who does God help? Let's talk about who God helps. Is that cool? I'm just gonna give you three points about who God helps, and we can go enjoy the Independence Day weekend. Is that cool? Maybe go on the boat? Maybe eat some shrimp kebabs? I don't, a hamburger? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. God helps those who hike with a friend. Number one. What are you talking about? Hike with a friend. Okay. Any consistent readers? We read Psalm 121, right? The first two verses, they're written in one person. And then verses three through eight, they're written in a totally different person. Is that weird to anybody? It feels weird to me. Like if you read and it's like, I, 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 and then it's like, God will help your. So like, for instance, it says, I lift my eyes. My help comes from the Lord. And then it goes in verse three. It's like, he will not let your foot be moved. The Lord is your keeper. Did, did the Bible writers not understand grammar? What's going on? Well, I studied it. I studied it. I looked into it. And, and the commentaries I read said an interesting thing. They said, okay, verses one and two is this person talking about, okay, I'm going to find my help in the Lord. And verses 3 through 8, because remember, they're on pilgrimage. They're on a journey to Jerusalem. Remember, they're moving ever closer to the place where God's presence has been revealed. Verses 3 through 8, 
are a traveling companion talking to the person who said verses 1 through 2. You don't get that when you just read it straight through. But apparently Hebrew literature would assume that there are people talking to each other. So in this scripture, you have somebody saying, the Lord is my help. And then you have another person saying, hey, remember, the Lord is your keeper. Hey, remember, the Lord doesn't sleep or slumber. He's not going to let your foot be moved. Hey, remember, God's got this. And so point number one is hike with a friend. God helps those who hike with a friend. Who are your friends? Who are your traveling companions? Who are your uh, pilgrimage buddies that you're journeying with? Think about it. Think about the people in your life. Think about like one or two of your closest people. Do they love the Lord? It's a great question to ask, right? Do they love the Lord? Do they live their life for him? Why does this matter? Well, Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another, right? As iron sharpens iron, another person sharpens another. God created you for community, and he created you to be helped by other people, and he created you to help other people. We sharpen each other, but don't, have you ever thought about this, that the inverse of that could be true, that like you could dull another person, or another person could dull you, that somebody could mean well by you, but if they don't love the Lord, maybe they're not sharpening your spiritual sensibilities. Does that make sense? It should. It's true. We have an effect on one another. We do. I don't know about you guys. I grew up, I grew up, uh, I grew up in church, and I was in youth group growing up, and I, I loved Jesus, and I was around all these girls that loved Jesus, right? And, and I don't know if it's, it seems like it might be true. There's always, like, more women in church than there are men, right? <laughs> There's always more women. And in youth group, it's no exception. I was growing up in youth group. There was, like, three-quarters of the youth group was girls. And they were good girls. They loved Jesus. But they always liked bad guys. What was up with that? <laughs> the young girls always liked bad guys. And they would go, you know, I can change him. Like, I can help him love Jesus. He's going to love the Lord. I just need to do some missional dating. I need to just help him know God. Right? <laughs> Has anybody ever experienced this? You see somebody that's just like, they love God. And maybe they're like a little immature in their faith. And they just think that they can save the person that they are infatuated with. Right? but that other person wants nothing to do with God. They came to youth group because you're a beautiful young girl or something like that, right? Well, I knew tons of these young girls, and it reminded me that, it reminded me that you can't change the people you're around. I can't change you. You can't change the people you're around, but you can change the people you're around. You can't change the friends you surround yourself with, but you can change the friends you surround yourself with right? And, and the thing is, is if you don't have a friend to your destiny, if you don't have a friend that is walking on the pilgrimage journey with you, on the place to where God wants you to be, it's going to be a rough journey. It's going to be a really rough journey. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Ooh, ah, it hurts. But it's true. Watch who you're around. And I'm not saying you need to isolate yourself from the world. I'm not saying that at all. Jesus was around people of the world, but he was the influence. 
And if you find yourself being influenced by people that are pulling you away from what God has for you, it's not going to do you much more than harm. That's kind of heavy, right? But it's important. It's super important. And I believe that alignment, it affects your assignment. So God gives you assignment on this life. Like God gives you a calling to live in this life. And who you're aligned with is going to affect what you're assigned to do. Does that make sense? Okay. I feel like you get it. But I do need to tell you that like Brooke and I, we were, you know, when we're in Yosemite, we're just, we're geeking. It's awesome. Like there's, there's these great cliffs and mountains. And Brooke has kind of bad knees from being an epic basketball player. And so we had no plans of doing like a big hike, right? We we're just like, let's just find something easy to do. We'll take in the scenery, maybe just glisten a little, not sweat very much, right? That was kind of the plan. And what happened was, what had happened was, is we got to this place and it said four mile trail. And we were like, dope. Four miles is not that bad. Four, four miles we should be able to do. And it says trail. It doesn't say anything about a hike. It says nothing about a hike. It says this is a four mile trail. Well, I want to show you another video of, no, 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 don't, don't click that one. I want to show you another video, the next video of where we ended up on four mile trail that was actually four mile hike. You got that video? You're never finished. I said, you're never finished. Always. A it's true. The journey that we have with Christ, we are always a work in progress. Brooke and I didn't mean to hike that day. I promise you that. But we did end up hiking. And the truth is, is like, if either one of us midway through that hike had gone, you know what? I don't really want to do this. We should go back down. We would have been like, yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go back down right now. Because when, when you go four miles up, you're going to go four miles back down, right? Oh, my goodness. It was treacherous. Glory. Anyways, you need the right people around you. Because when you get the wrong people around you, they're not going to speak God's words over you. They're not. You need friends to your destiny. You absolutely do. God helps those who hike with a friend. You got it? Cool. We'll move on. God helps those who hope in his word. Throughout scripture, there's a call to trust and hope in God's laws, his decrees, his statutes, and his promises, right? Those things comprise his word. The things that he declares, the things that he says, hey, uh, don't step out of bounds on that. Do this, don't do that. I love you. Um, you're great. Stuff like that. The Lord's word. And I believe that God helps those who trust in his word. You see, like, when we went on that walk, when we, <laughs> so you can pull up that picture of the sign now, and it says, four-mile trail, four-mile trail in the Glacier Point. How many know that seeing four-mile trail is different than what we saw at, <laughs> can you go to the next picture? 
There's like a, yeah. So I didn't realize the trail went all the way up, like 3,000 feet in the air, right? And so knowing the words that I saw and, and understanding them are different, right? And it's the same with God's word. Like you can, you can read the Lord's word, but if you don't understand it, if you don't hear it, if you don't apply it, if you don't hope in it, if you don't trust in it, if you don't believe in it for your life, if you don't let it guide your life, then guess what? You're not hoping in God's word. You don't have the right idea about God's word. And there's a difference between what you think you understood versus really knowing, right? And we ended up on a mountain really knowing that we didn't understand what we were getting ourselves into. But I want to encourage you. Some of you, you find it hard to read your Bible. You find it like, uh, it's like, it's like, man, I don't really get this. I promise you, if you just pray to the Holy Spirit, who teaches you all things, right? That's who he is. Jesus said that he would remind us of his words, that he would teach us all things, that he will reveal scripture to us, right? And he will remind us of scripture when we need it. What, what we put in our hearts will come out in our lives, right? And so we want the meditation of our hearts and our minds to be the words of God. There's no better words. There's no better things that you can fill yourself with. And I just want to say today that some of you get hung up on reading your Bible, but I want to remind you that God's word is alive, right? God's word is living, and God's word is even described in the personhood of Jesus. Jesus is the word, right? In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. And this was speaking about who Jesus is, that Jesus is the capital W word. And so you can't separate God's word from who God is, right? Does that make sense? You can't separate what God says from who he is. They are the same thing. When God says something and you don't trust it, it means that you don't trust him. When God says something and you do trust it, it means you trust him. Does that make sense? If Brooke told me, hey, I'm going to cook dinner tonight, I would plan around that. I would say, I trust Brooke. Brooke's going to cook dinner tonight. I don't need to worry about it. I get home, eat dinner, right? If God says he's going to come through in your life, but you don't see it yet, do you still trust him? Do you still hope in him? Do you still lean on him instead of your own understanding? You can't remove who God is from his words. You can't do it. God helps those who hope in his word, who trust in his word. In Psalm 130, verse 5, it says, I will wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. In his word, I put my hope. If he said it, he'll do it. That's the end of it. Do we have people that believe that? Do you believe that? I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you can trust him. His character, remember who he is? He's all able and he's all caring. He's powerful. He's able. He's loving. He's caring. His character never wavers. If God said he'll do something in your life, he'll do it. If God said he'll do something in his word, he'll do it. We can bank on it. We can live by it. And that's why you can get your help from it. Because if you can live by his word, man, the Bible is filled with so many things for daily living, right? Right? Like, if you need some wisdom, just hop into Proverbs. 
Read it. Read it every day. You'll learn who to be around, who not to be around. You'll learn uh, what to do with your finances. You'll learn what to do with your property. You'll learn what to do with your small business. You'll learn what to do with uh, your kids. You'll learn what to do with your spouse, right? There's wisdom in God's word. And when we trust and hope in his word, we find help. We find the help we need for this journey of life. We do. And so I want to encourage you today. We've opened the word. We're going we're gonna to keep getting into the word. But trust in his word. Hope in his word. Remind yourself of his word. Every day, open it up. I mean, for the last few weeks, I've been opening up Psalm 91 and just reading it out loud and just going, this is for my life. I'm going to read it out loud. I need to remember that my God is going to take care of me, that, that God is not going to let my foot slip that God's going to watch after me, that he's going to honor me when I live for him, right? We need to remember his word. We need to live and breathe in his word because then we're doing, we're living and breathing in who he is. We're living and breathing in the way that Jesus lived, the Jesus way. Psalm 25 verse three says, no one who hopes in the Lord will ever be put to shame. God helps those who hope in his word, those who hope in him. You know, we, you see all kinds of signs at Yosemite, and there's like, there's like signs that's like, hey, uh, this cliff is super dangerous, you could die, you might fall off it. Can we put that one sign, the first sign up there? I think it's a bear sign, yellow. Oh my gosh, bear warning, right? Like, holy cow, bears are scary, <laughs> and I don't want to get killed by a bear. So when I read bear warning, I'm like, okay, I'm warned, I'm going to take caution, what about God's word? Do we treat God's word like a bare warning? Like, hey, you need to live this way. You need to remember this. Because if you do, you'll live differently. Do you treat God's word with the same authority that you treat a sign in Yosemite National Park? Because when I see that, I instantly act different. I instantly go, okay, I'm watching out. I'm leaving those snacks behind. I don't think I'll carry those right now. I think I'll put those in the trash can. I just want to encourage you this morning, and I'm not trying to guilt trip you at all. I'm not saying you don't listen to God's word. I'm not saying you don't live by God's word. I just want to encourage you that if you are, keep doing it. If you aren't, you still have a chance. You can lean on God's word. You can learn to love God's word. He'll fill you with a love for it. He really will because you can't separate his word from who he is. And so when you learn to love his word, you're going to learn to love him more. It's pretty awesome. All right, number three, God helps those who ask him for help. Not God helps those who help themselves, right? God helps those who ask him. Just ask, right? Remember I said we feel guilty about needing to ask for help? We have all been there. The first sin was pride, that's what they say. And we experience it all the time. We get so proud, we don't want to ask for help. We don't even want to ask God for help. But he wants us to ask for help. He always does. In Matthew 7, 7 through 11, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his sons asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, us, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I had a friend who I love. I love him if he's, if he's watching this. This is not a slant on you. I love you, Colin. You're the best. But I had a friend who he was like so self-righteous sometimes that he would just be like, oh, I don't need to ask God for anything. Like he was so anti-prosperity gospel that he swung like completely the other way. And then it was just like, God's not your provider. Like God's not your helper, whatever. But the scriptures teach us that we are like children that go to God our Father, Right? And the the opposite example is, is if we who are evil know how to give good things to our children, how much more does God, our heavenly father, give us the good things that we need if we just ask? Just ask. And lots of this requires humility. I'm sorry, but we don't have it all figured out. We need to ask God for help. We absolutely need to ask him. We do. If you want help, you should ask God. And in your asking of God, it reveals more of who he is, right? When you ask God for something, it instantly positions God, right? Not that he needs you to do that, but in your heart, it says, okay, you are so far above me, right? In your heart, it goes, okay, your father God, your provider, right? This is why he wants you to ask him. This is why he doesn't want you to flex and try and try and try and muster all your strength and live on your own power and ability. You know, anybody that has kids, I'm going to get there, we're going to get there, but anybody that has kids, like, they know that their kids do not have a problem asking for things, right? You know this as a parent. You know your kid's not, like, afraid to come to you. Maybe sometimes they're a bit more thoughtful, depending on what they need to ask for. But they're not afraid to come boldly before their father and ask for something. And so I want to challenge you. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews says, come boldly before the throne of God and ask him for help, right? We can we have access to God's throne. We have access to our Father in heaven. And lots of times, we, just, we live under our privilege. We do. You've been adopted in to be a son or a daughter of the God most high, of God our Father. And we live under our privilege when we don't ask him for help. I want to challenge you today. Ask him. When you need help, go straight to God. Don't go straight to your spouse. Don't go straight to the self-help book. Don't go straight to, um, you know, the Every Dollar app or whatever you use. Like, don't go straight to the QuickBooks. Like, go to God. And those other things, they're not bad, and God puts them in your life. But go to God first. There's a holy order to living, and it always starts with God. It always starts with God. When you throw your love on somebody else before God, they get crushed by it. When you throw your priority on somebody else besides God, they get crushed by it because they can't handle the weight of those things. First place always belongs to God. And when you do that, it's easy to live a life where you go, God, I don't know what I'm doing with my finances. Would you give me wisdom? God, I don't know what I'm doing with this new baby. Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us an ability to raise this child for Jesus? God, I don't know what I'm doing in my marriage. 
Would you help me? Would you make your presence known in our home? Go to God first. Ask God, and God helps those who ask for help. He's a good God. He's gracious. He gives liberally. That's who he is, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave the most precious gift. He doesn't forsake us. He doesn't leave us. So I want to encourage you, ask him. Ask him for help. I'm going to have uh, Daryl come up, and we're going to wrap this up, but it's starting to rain. Oh, no. Oh, no. Fourth of July. Oh, no. I thought that what Pastor Gary shared, father-in-law Gary shared, was amazing. When he said that we absolutely celebrate our independence as a nation, awesome, love it, but we also want to remember our dependence on God. And man, if he didn't say that, I was going to say it because it perfectly sums up this message. We need to have a radical dependence on God. Otherwise, you're your own God. Otherwise, you're living your own thing, right? But to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower, means that you forsake your own lordship and you say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. I live by a different standard. I live a different way. So I want to encourage you today that when you ask God for help, he helps. He, he, he takes care of you. And I also want to talk to people who maybe have lived a lot of life without asking God for help. Okay? You don't need to feel guilty today. Like we've all been there. And before I submitted to Christ, I was doing the same thing. I lived enough life of seeking for myself finding for myself and not asking God, not seeking God, not knocking on the doors that God had provided. But the truth is, is you don't need to feel the guilt of that right now because you can come under his lordship today. You can submit to him today. You can make him the Lord of your life today. And if you haven't always got it right, that's okay. You can make it right today. You can make it right today. You know, when we were on that trip, like Brooke and I aren't great planners. Like we're awful planners sometimes. Like she's much better than I am. She's like so put together sometimes. And I'm just like, oh, I didn't know I had that meeting. Um, but we're going to Yosemite and you can't stay in the Yosemite Valley unless you book like six months in advance. But because of COVID, there was an opening and we stayed in the Yosemite Valley and it was awesome. And that was only by the grace of God because we didn't plan for that. But then the other part is, is that we didn't plan on where we we're gonna eat that first night, right? And so once you're in the park, like to get out of Yosemite National Park, you've got to drive like an hour to get out. And so we were like, well, we want to eat here. And there's a few restaurants in the hotels and stuff. And they were all booked. It was like, oh no, they're all booked. We, we flew across the country and right after getting on the flight, we, right after getting off the flight, we drove for like six hours and we're here and we need food. <laughs> and, and we didn't plan, stupid, probably my fault sorry. But God's good. He's gracious, right? And so we're like, okay, well, there's this place just outside. And I'm not gonna lie, y'all. I had some of the best chicken wings of my life at this place just outside of Yosemite National Park. And that's just a stupid analogy for you to understand that you don't always get it right. You don't always come in to submission for what God has for your life. 
but it's not too late for him to do a work in your life, okay? It's not too late for him to move in your life. And if you just say today, you know what, God, I wanna ask of you. I've not done this. I just wanna ask of you today. I need you to move in my life. I need you to help me raise my kids. I need you to move on my grandkids' life. I need you to move in my finances. I need you to move in my marriage. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. Maybe you need to pray these prayers today. I wanna encourage you that this is a space to do it. You can give it over to him right now. You don't need anybody's permission, but you have it. You can meet with them right now. And so we're going to close, and Pastor Gary is going to close the service. But as we're finishing up here, I want you to think about what God wants from you. You need help. I need help. This sermon was for me just as much as it is for you. Because we're people on pilgrimage. We're people on the journey to the everlasting kingdom. And we need help to get there. And so what is it? What's going on in your world? What's going on in your world? It's okay to bring before him. I love you. God's going to move in your life. You just, you just give it to him. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.